The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Here we are talking about connecting and connection to others. And we've been looking in this series at a number of different uh, things. First of all, we looked at our vital connection, that connection that we have with God. How is your vital connection? Are you working on that? Have you been reading the Bible this week as that sense of encouragement across the church? Have you engaging with that? Or is it, oh, that's what I meant to do. I'd like to have done that. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you about your vital connection. Why is it called vital? Because that's what it is. It's vital connection. And we need that connection with God so that we can continue to grow and develop. Last week we were looking at connecting with discipleship and that need that each of us has of walking with Jesus, of following him. That's what a disciple is, somebody who is following Jesus. How's your following been going this week? Did you get distracted? Did you get put off? Did you find yourself on a side path? Were you confused? Were you frustrated? What's been going on? Because all sorts of things happen to all of us. We all face different situations during a week, different challenges during a week, but what we want to try to develop is consistency in our lives so that we keep pressing forward and following after Jesus because we are disciples of Jesus. Therefore, we want to be those who walk in his ways and follow him. It's not a case of like, oh, if you didn't make it, if you didn't read your Bible, woe is you. It's not that. It's that we want to encourage each other. The purpose of coming together as church is that we encourage each other daily so that we can give that strength to one another to keep on pressing on. Because we know that there is an enemy who is against us, somebody who's trying to bring us down, somebody who's trying to throw things in our way, and those things sometimes distract and confuse us, but we want to push them to one side because we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And today we're looking at connecting to others. We want to have that connection with others. Sandra very well talked in that video of just ways in which ordinarily, not fantastically, not super wonderfully, just ordinarily using our lives to connect with others. And that's what we want to show, that there is a need for us to connect with others, but there's an ordinariness about it. Yes, there is a supernatural help that we receive, that being from God, but it's just us going about ordinary life talking with ordinary people that we can connect them to God and help them to find the life that we ourselves have found. This first point I want to look at is called designer living. Designer living. Do you enjoy designer living? Well, before we answer that question, actually I saw a TV program this week which was about living on a super yacht. And one of these yachts that are millions and millions of pounds, and the person who owned it has obviously got billions, and so he can afford every now and again to, to rent out his boat. So he rents it out for several hundred thousand euros a week. Obviously, I, I'm not putting myself up to I'd like to go on it, but I haven't quite got the cash to hire it for a week. But on this boat, you saw all the luxuries of life. That is a designer way of life, but I'm not talking about that sort of designer way of life. We can get captivated by designer things, the need to have, or sometimes we think we need to have, certain niceties around us. But actually every one of us is part of designer living from the point of view that our lives have been purposed by a designer. 
that designer being God. He has purposed and planned our lives. Right from the very beginning, he purposed and planned the life that man should have upon the earth. We're quite familiar with Adam and Eve because he said to Adam and Eve, I want you to be fruitful, I want you to multiply, I want you to fill the earth, I want you to rule over the earth. That's the, the, the God-given instruction to Adam and Eve. And mankind has sought to do that, to fill the earth and to subdue it, to rule over it. That's the function that God has for every one of us. But you know, we could say, well, the earth's quite a big place and surely, surely we might get lost. God might lose track of us. It's not as though he's got a tracking device on us. But in one sense he has because it says in scripture in Acts 17, it says this, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined, listen to this, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. And you thought, oh, I'm living in this road, in this house by accident. Well, that's just where I am at the moment. It's not just where you are at the moment. It's where God has positioned you and allowed you to be. And not only that, this day and age. It's not that we were built for the 1800s. It would have been nice to have been in that, maybe you think, or a different time. But this is the time of life that we have been brought to for such a time as this we are here and God has appointed the exact places where we should live why why is that important because it just goes to show that God knows who your neighbors are God knows where you're living God knows about your life because he has appointed you to be there and sometimes we get frustrated and we say we'd like to move and all these sorts of things. And sometimes we find difficulty in moving. Why? Because God doesn't necessarily want us to move at that point. But when it's right, he will help us and he will help us find the place that he wants us to be in because it's important where we live to God. We think it's important from the choices that we seek to make. Oh, I'd like to live in this road. I'd like to live in that area. That's a nice place. We're going about those sorts of things, but God appoints the places for us to live because he has interest not only in us, but in those around us. And God has placed us in these places so that we can accomplish the work that he has decided in advance that he wants us to walk in. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Prepared in advance. See, so this is all part of the designer's plan. Therefore, it's true to say we have designer living because we are living in the plans of our great designer, God, who is watching over us and helping us in everything we should do. So every day, if you like, our prayer to God should be this, Lord, what would you have me do for you today? You've put me here at this time zone. You've put me next to these next door neighbors. You've given me this place to live. Now, what exactly do you want to do in my life? And we should be asking God, direct me. Direct me into the works that you have for me so that I might fulfill your purpose here upon the earth. You know, I know it's a slight aside, but we get so caught up in the ways of the world. The things that our neighbors are doing. The things that the TV tells us that we need. Everything gets caught up in that. But you know, the Bible talks about the things that man thinks is important aren't necessarily the things that God thinks is important. 
And so we can be running after jobs and titles and uh, education and finances and all sorts of things like that. And it's not that God doesn't know what you need. He knows your need even before you have asked him. But Sometimes we can get wrapped up in the things that the world tells us is important. Because you see, if you're part of the world, the position you have, the finances you have, the education that you have means that you can accomplish more and you can become a bigger, better, greater more famous person almost in this world. And we know through the TV programs and things how important it is, or rather how the media likes us to think it's important if we are somebody. But you know what? Who could be more than a child of the living God? Who could be greater than the son or daughter of the king of kings? We've already got the highest position. It's just that we don't always understand that or live to it. But you're not an insignificant person. Oh, but I only live in this street. I live in the poorer part of town. That's what it feels like to me. Hey, hold your head up. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God who has been called to live in that place by Him. He has appointed you for such a time as this. Truly, we are living in a designer living standard. We're living in a designer world because our God has placed us there. So we don't just have random people around us, but rather we are positioned for purpose. And we want to fulfill that purpose. When Jesus came, his desire was to fulfill the purposes of God. That's what we see about Jesus. The things he did, he went around doing the things that he saw his father doing. It says in John 17, 4, I have brought glory to you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's what Jesus said to his father. I've, I've given you glory because I've completed the work that you've called me to do. That should be our prayer. That should be our design too. Lord, at the end of our lives, we want to say, Lord, I've completed the things that you have given me to do. I've done the tasks. I've spoken to the people. I've lived a life for you because you positioned me here for purpose. You know, we go through life with so much randomness. We go through life with so many so-called disappointments because we didn't match up to what the world said we needed to match up to. We need to put all of that to one side. There's only one person that we need to live for, and that is Jesus Christ. As we live for him, as we fulfill his purposes, then he will lead us in an abundant life and cause fruit to flow from our lives. Why? Because we didn't choose him anyway. He chose us and appointed us to be fruit bearers. He chose us. So we've got to trust that. Now, is it easy to trust that? No, it's not always easy. We have to fight for that sometimes. We have to remind ourselves about that. You have to wake up in the morning and say, no, 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 wait a minute. Why am I feeling down today? I am the daughter of the King of Kings. I have the highest position, along with one or two other Christians as well, who are also saying the same. I have the highest position that there is. I am a son of the King of Kings. He is my father, and he wants the best for my life. He is the one who's watching out for us. And we need to lift ourselves up, because otherwise things in this world bring us down. And that's not the place where God wants us to be. We want to live completing the purposes that God has for us. Okay, let's ask another question because it always comes up. Well, what is my purpose? 
Because we're all thinking, individuals, everybody else seems to have got it together. I don't seem to have it together. What is my purpose? How should we live? What should our priorities be? How do we connect to others? And these are valid questions. And I've got four answers for us, which I'll look very briefly at. Live, go, be, and love. Live, go, be, and love. Exactly, Mark. Well done. First one, live. Our purpose is to live for him. To seek first the kingdom of God. Not second, not third, and not also if I get time. But he says to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. See, as you're running to catch your train, oh my goodness, that's the time. I'm nearly running late. I want to catch the bus. I've got to be there on time. Suddenly everything suddenly gets shifted its priority. And it's important you get to work on time. I'm not suggesting it's not. But what we want to do in our lives is to say, what is the first and primary purpose of me awaking today? It is to live for the kingdom of God. That's the primary purpose. And so we want to call into order. We want to try to put away those things that come against us. You know, often in a morning, the first thing you think of is, what was the overhang? What was the thing from yesterday that you, you suddenly remind yourself? And if you had a good day, say, yeah, it was a great day yesterday. It's going to be a great day today. But if yesterday, thank you, Mark, yesterday you had a problem in the office and somebody had an argument with you or that bit of work wasn't good enough and you've been rejected from that and now you've got to go back to the drawing board, as it were, and start all over again. You, oh, yeah, you suddenly remember that. And it's almost like that starts to dominate your thinking. That takes over. That's the preeminent thing. If you're on a building site and you haven't finished and you remember yesterday, oh no, they came and they pointed out all the faults and we've got to get that right. Oh, how are we going to get that right? Suddenly you're burdened with how am I going to get to the position of being at peace? How am I going to accomplish those tasks that have come off seemingly left undone from yesterday? And it starts to dominate our thinking. We need to say, stop. First of all, I've been called by the king. First of all, I'm here to serve his purposes. First of all, I'm here to seek his kingdom. Now, in the name of Jesus, I command everything else to come into alignment with his purposes. Let me live for the king of kings. I am here to live for the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And in the passage it's talking about, it says, and all these things will be added to you as well. That was about clothing. That was about food. It's about the necessities of life. They will be added to you as well, but we need to seek first the kingdom of God. So there's an order and a priority for us. We need to live. And Ephesians, it talks about us living. We, we who were the first to hope in Christ, it says, might be for the praise of his glory. We are here to live to glorify him. Sometimes we find it difficult to glorify him. Yomi was encouraging us this morning. Come on, let's just take two minutes. We've been singing about how great God is. How wonderful he is. How great you are. And that's on our lips. And suddenly, okay, come on, let's do it. Let's lift up our voices. And you think, yes, God, you are great. You are wonderful. Because suddenly you run out. We need to practice the praise of his name. Because we don't want to run out. We want to be those who keep flowing. 
who keep declaring, he is the one who has kept me. He is the one who watches over me. He is the one who loves me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for giving me breath. Thank you for helping me through yesterday. Thank you for today. Thank you for the blessings that I have. It just helps us to stir ourselves with that. We live for him, first of all. We live for the praise of his glory. Live, go. We know that we have been called to go and make disciples. We know it's coming at us all the time, but that is the purpose that we're here for and therefore we have to address ourselves if this is not happening then we're not living purposefully I feel this I think the turning this mission is a great opportunity for us I know it's for a week but it's a great opportunity for us to say okay I am gonna go Stuart and Samuel go out on Thursdays in the high street and they just I notice they're getting excited each week about the option of going. We don't all feel like that. But you know what? The more we do it, the easier it becomes. So I want to say to you, if you find it difficult, come along to this mission. Get involved in this mission. Put yourself out there. Face your nerves. Walk through them because God wants to help you. Because the other side of nervousness is purposeful living and doing the things that he has asked us to do. And that feels great. When you share your faith, there's something about, wow, I didn't get my head bitten off. Wow, you've just been able to do it. You know, it's not that I've shared my faith and everybody got saved. It's that I shared my faith and I am doing what he has asked me to do. Go and make disciples. Not just asked you to see people saved, but ready to help them come to know Jesus Christ. The second part is actually more complicated than the first part, actually when it comes to it. Because sharing our faith, God is at work. There is power in the name of Jesus. Sandra was saying about, in effect, she's saying like, I don't know what I do. I talk to people. I just get them to church. Why? Because God does things in church. That's true. He's done things for each of us. You know, we have come here on a Sunday morning feeling a bit... And something somebody said, maybe it was me, and often what I've said has got no relationship to what they're talking about. Why? Because God has spoken something into somebody's heart. And they walk out and they say, yes, I'm lifted. I'm strengthened. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm encouraged. I'm challenged. God does things in the house. We know that we have people who come amongst us from time to time. And in one sense, you think, like, well, what are they here for? They don't quite fit. They're not. They come here because they find the presence of God. And that does things to their lives. It brings peace. People are looking for the presence of God. And we just want to go and we want to invite them in. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. We're here to live. We're here to go. We're here to be. When I mean just be, that means just exist. Just be yourself. Because you see, you already are salt and light. It's not that you've got to work yourself up to be that. It's that you are. When you get saved, what does Jesus say? He says, you are salt, you are light. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. He just says, please don't keep it hidden. Don't keep it hidden, but get out there and make a difference just by being. So when you go to the office, when you go to the school, when you go to university, wherever you're going tomorrow, 
Whether you're even talking to your computer and trying to get your computer saved. That's if you're working alone at home. Because sometimes it feels like that. You haven't always got people around. Just be. You can be salt and light where you are. You just got to live out and speak out God's standards and God's ways. That's what you've got to do. A simple rule for all of us to follow, something that we know, Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. That's a simple rule. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. Just do it. So that means going the extra mile. It means buying them a coffee. It means helping them. It means forgiving them. It means looking out for them. It means encouraging them. What do you like having done to you? Do it for other people. It's such a simple rule. And I know you think, like, oh, I can't be bothered. Well, is that how you'd like people to teach you, uh, treat you? No, it's not. Okay, well, let that be the motivation to go on and do good things for other people. Treat the people around you in your world in that way. What, my husband, my wife, my children? Yeah, all of them. My family members, my brothers, my sisters, my mum, my dad? Yes, all of them. What, the people next door? Yes, them. What, the work colleagues? Yes, them. Everybody. Everybody in your world treat like this. Why? Because you're salt and you're light. That's who you are. And as we do that... The presence of God comes through us. It's him who enables us to do these things. It's him who gives you the strength to be able to go the extra mile. It's his work in you. And then you start to find your real purpose. You see, you were called by him and for him. You are literally God to other people. What, me? Yes, that's why he says you're salt and light. The presence of his Holy Spirit is within you. And rather than him, and we know that God is everywhere, but God has chosen us. What, us? Yes, he's chosen us. He's elected and called us and chosen us to be part of his kingdom. He's placed us where he wants us. He knows all the people around us. And he's just wanting us to be salt and light day by day. Unafraid, unashamed, because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's who he wants us to be. He wants us to be. So to live, to go, to be, and of course to love. To love our neighbors as ourselves. We know that that's a command of the Lord, that we should love him with all of our hearts, and we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And so that act of doing kindness, the act of looking out for other people, that desire to do to others as we would have them do to us, causes us to love other people. Love breaks down barriers. You know when you're loved. You know it. It's, it's, people don't have to go around saying, I love you, I love you. In fact, some of you think, oh, hang on, that's a bit strange. But you can tell by the way that they act that they're doing loving things. All of us love it when we're being loved. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel encouraged. It makes us feel wanted. It makes us feel worthwhile. We know when we're loved. And we are here to make sure that we're loving other people. Now, when it comes to connecting with other people, there's a couple of things that we need to remember. These are quite obvious, but I want to underline them. Lost and blind. Lost and blind. When we're trying to connect to other people, we have to remember that people who do not know Jesus, they are lost and they are blind. Now, that isn't how they appear. Because they appear with their eyes open. They appear as though talking. They appear as though they seem to know what they're about in life. In fact, some of them seem to know that they're about far more 
than we are. They seem to be more organized than we are. So they don't present like that. But the Bible says that that's what they are. They are lost and they are blind. People who do not have a relationship with Jesus, they have been blinded by the enemy and they are lost. They're lost in their sin. They're lost and they are far away from God. They don't necessarily want to be in that position. They feel normal to themselves. They feel free. But they are, in actual fact, lost and blind. Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul was talking to the Christians, but he was reminding them of what they were like. Because he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There's a spiritual dynamic, there's a spiritual force that is at work in the world and it is holding people in a position where they are dead, they are utterly lost from God. And in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 it says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. So you see people are lost They're in darkness. That doesn't mean to say that they're not fun to be with. It doesn't mean to say that they have no redeeming aspects of their lives or their characters at all. In fact, these people can be capable of incredible acts of kindness towards us and can be very loving. So they can be nice. They can be lovely people. They can be great people, great to be with. But it doesn't change the fact that spiritually they're lost. And they're blinded. Don't forget, every human being is created in the image of God. Whether they're lost and they don't know Jesus, or whether they're, uh, they do know Jesus and they have become Christians, they're still created in the image of God. That means that every human being has the capability of showing great kindness. They have the capability of representing who God is because they were made in his image. That may have become corrupted in many ways. But that's why you can still say to somebody, well, they're not a Christian, but they're lovely people. Yeah, they may be lovely people, but before God, they are spiritually blind and they are totally lost. And we need to remember that when we're dealing with people and when we're reaching out to people. So if that in mind, let me just say this. You do not make a blind person see by just talking louder and louder to them. You know that old thing where you can't speak another language, so the way the English get around it is just to speak in English more clearly and more loudly, because then this person from another nation will understand. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter how much we shout. A blind person will not start to see just because you shout more clearly and loudly at them. The only way they get to see is when they're healed of their blindness. Then they can say, oh, I never understood. Now I can see. And we need to remember that because sometimes we have a heart that is just reaching. We're we're forgetting about the spiritual issues that there are. And we need to reach out anyway because God is doing a work in that. As we speak, so our words are being effective. Don't forget when we declare the word of God, it does not return to him void. But it will accomplish that for which it was sent. So sometimes we can mention a scripture, it doesn't seem to have any effect. 
but we don't know what's happening in the spiritual realm. What we should remember is the Word of God. It says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So as we take hold of the Word, it is like we now have a sword in our hands. And if we come down and we strike somebody, as it were, with the Word of God, a weapon, if it was a weapon, a real sword, it'd have devastating effects. Now, sometimes the person might, whoa, just get out of the way, just miss that. But if you've got somebody wielding a sword at you, it can have an effect. Now, we need to remember that in the spiritual environment, when we are using the Word of God, it has an effect. So one time, we sometimes we just say something, and it didn't seem to have any effect at all. And we're more worried about our own reputation. Well, how's this going to make me look? Is this going to make me look better, stronger, more able? Am I going to look like somebody who knows the Bible? And then you say a scripture and it seems to have no effect and they don't seem to change and nothing happens. Because we're measuring things on our terms, but we can't always see what's going on in the spiritual environment. And we need to remember that. These are spiritual things. People are lost and they're blinded. It's a spiritual thing. And therefore, there are spiritual things we need to do. We need to pray for people. We need to call upon God. We need to use the Word of God. And we need to trust in Him. Because God's heart is that no one should perish, but that everyone should get saved. So we've got to keep looking to Him. When we realize we can't do it, it helps us a lot. Because then it causes us to go to Him even more. What I cannot do, I need you, God. I need you to come and help me. Let's remember that people are lost and they are blind. But God, of course, is able to remove that blindness. And he can use us in the process. How? Just by the way we are. Just by the way we're acting. Just by the things we're talking about. He can use us in that. Remember this. Jesus has said to each one of us, Freely you have been given. Freely we have received, so freely we need to give. And we have received much. We've received salvation. He's done it already for us. We received it freely, so therefore we need to be ready to give that out to other people. Okay, connecting to others. Who? Who should I connect to? Now, I know I've talked a little bit about this, but who should I connect to? It's a question that we often want to ask. Well, who? Because I've tried my brother, I've tried my sister, I've tried my mum, I've tried my neighbour, nothing seems to have happened, so who? Well, the answer is we've got to carry on living in the midst of that. But it's good to ask the question, who? Who is my neighbor? And of course, that takes us to a story in the Bible where this very question was asked, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, at that point, he told the story of the Good Samaritan. And he wanted to illustrate this because the end of the story is, in effect, the most unlikely person was the one who came and helped out and sought this bloke who'd been beaten up and had been robbed. He helped him out, whereas the priests and the Levites left him on the side of the street. So the unlikely Samaritan came and helped him out. And Jesus just wanted to show, look, who is your neighbor? It's everybody around you and the people who need your help. They are your neighbors. They're the ones that you need to help. So in in effect, he's saying it's everybody in your world. They're your neighbors. It's not just your next door neighbor, but other people in the office. And I know for our offices, we sometimes think, well, they come, people in my office, they don't live in Bromley. So how am I going to invite them to church? It's not about them coming to Bromley Town Church. It's about them coming into the kingdom of God. Can you help them in any way? 
come to the kingdom of God, don't forget, you're not there by accident. You're there as an example. You're there as a testimony. You're there as the light. You're there as the salt. The question is, are you living up to that or are you hiding everything underneath that bushel or whatever, it, whatever term it uses in the scripture? Hiding it under the lampstand. No, we want to let our light shine out. So in our offices, in our places of work, with our neighbors, we want to make sure that we are connecting the fact that we are Christians and that God is for us. But of course, that does come down to the fact we need to watch how we are living. Who is my neighbor? Who should I connect to? Everybody who is in your world. And that's different from my world. Some of you know some of my family members. Some of you don't. You may never have seen them. They're my world. You've got family members. I've never seen cousins, aunts, uncles. I don't know. They're your world. Your work colleagues, the people you connect to in life. We may not know each of these people, but they're in your world and they are the ones that God wants you to be able to reach out to and to connect with. Jesus. Let's have a look at Jesus. Who did Jesus connect to? Everybody he came into contact with. Everybody around him. In fact, it was known of Jesus, oh, you're a friend of sinners. So it wasn't just the righteous. It wasn't just the nice people, as it were. It wasn't just the morally correct people. It was everybody he connected to. Those who were high and low in society, those who were looked down on in society, those who were declared as being sinners in society, the lowly, the meek, everybody Jesus connected to. He was complained on because he went to the houses of tax collectors and he ate with them because he wanted to say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's those who are sick. And we need to remember the same. We have come to set the captives free. And when we read the gospel accounts, we see that Jesus does. He mixed with all different types of people, and therefore we can mix with all different types of people. What did Jesus come to do? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to raise them up, and that is the task that we have to do. How do we connect? Let me go through this. Purposefully, relationally, lovingly. We connect in different ways. Purposefully, relationally, lovingly. We connect purposefully. That means we have a mission that we're on, and we need to be about that mission. We need to be focused. Yes, we've got work. Yes, we need to pay the bills. Yes, we've got to get the car repaired. All of those sorts of bits and pieces that are happening in our lives, that's true for us. But we need to be living purposefully. We need to be living purposefully. We need to be a living our purpose for God, which is that we're seeking to reach people also for the kingdom of God. That's what our lives are about. Jesus is coming again. Okay? We don't know when he's coming. But there is going to come a day when it's going to be too late for people to enter the kingdom of God. There is coming a moment when a line is drawn and then that up to that point, we can reach people. After that point, it's too late. Therefore, there is an urgency in the hour for us to keep on living for him and being purposeful. One day, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess, hey, Jesus is Lord. Every knee, every tongue, all of those who are anti, all of those who don't want to know, all of those who are disinterested, they are still going to be bowing the knee to Jesus Christ and saying, you are Lord of Lords. You are the king of all kings. That is going to happen. We need to be purposeful. Are we purposeful? 
Are we wrapped up in our world? Are we wrapped up in our work? Are we wrapped up that actually the firstness of the kingdom, the importance of seeking first the kingdom, of bringing the kingdom, of being about his purposes. Now, let me just say, let's just be normal about this, okay? It doesn't mean to say tomorrow you just go in and you're talking about Jesus all day long. Treat other people as you want to be treated. Start doing small things. Start doing ordinary things. Yes, of course, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, I went to a church, a church picnic. Don't be embarrassed of it. I went to church on Sunday. Why? Because I find it brings peace to my soul. You don't have to give a gospel account. You don't have to understand the Trinity. You don't have to do anything. You just have to do what Sandra said. I invite him to church. Let Jesus do the rest. I don't always know what to say. But let's not be afraid. Let's not be ashamed. Let's be purposeful. We're living purposefully. That we are here because we have been appointed for this hour, for this time, for this purpose to see people being connected to the kingdom of God. There's a purposefulness about it. As Christians, often we don't want to live purposefully. We get embarrassed about being purposeful. Should I be purposeful? Yes, you should. Take courage, my friend, and live for the purposes of God. Be relational. Okay? Be relational. That means you can talk to people nicely and befriend them. It means you can talk about fashions. It means you can talk about football. It means you can talk about what was on a TV program. It means you can talk about how the shop down the road's closing. It means you can talk about incidentals of life. That is okay. It's normal life. You don't have to be abnormal. You can be relational. Sometimes people, have, they've got this wrong. Unless they've mentioned Jesus, every other word, in every sentence, it's like, what? I haven't done it right. Just be normal. Be relational, but be purposeful. When you have an opportunity, remember that he is the one who has brought salvation to you. He is the one who brings you peace. He is the one in whom you find forgiveness. He is the one who has transformed your life. He is the one who is transforming your life. He is the one who is changing you. He is the one who keeps you. He is the one who watches over you. Remember that as well. But don't forget just to be relational. Relational in what we do. You know, I could talk more on this and obviously I've run out of time but I will give you these scriptures Paul himself said this in 1 Corinthians 9.22 I have become all things to all men I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some it doesn't mean that Paul became a drunkard and an alcoholic it doesn't mean that Paul suddenly started smoking a vape machine or whatever. It just meant that if somebody was smoking a vape machine, you could talk about, well, what is it you do? What are these flavors? What, you could talk about something of their world where they are at because they are important for the kingdom of God. They're not fodder. They're not just another notch. Oh, I managed to save somebody or I've managed to talk the gospel to somebody. They are valuable people who need to have salvation. Therefore, we want to be relational in the way that we deal with them. Just be normal. He has appointed you for such a time as this. He has given you an experience of life because he wants you to accomplish certain things.
And your life experience may not be the same as mine. That's fine because God knows what you're about and what he wants you to be about. Therefore, we can be relational, purposeful, relational, and last of all, loving. We must be loving. Loving means that we are patient. Loving means that we are kind. Loving means that we are forgiving. Loving means that we are long-suffering. Loving means that we go back. Loving means that we don't take rejection to heart, but we take it to Jesus. Loving means we pursue. Loving means that we care. Loving means that we keep on praying. Loving means that we go through ups and downs and we keep persevering because we're not going to give up because God has not given up on them and he hasn't given up on us. Loving. If we lose love, we lose everything. But if we operate in love, we have everything. That's the truth. Because love triumphs over all things. And therefore, we want to be purposeful, relational and loving. Peter says this, but in your hearts, set apart Christ Jesus as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Lots of conversations don't seem to lead anywhere. But sometimes somebody might say, what is it about you? And what they're saying is, please, will you tell me what's going on in your life? Because I want some of that. I want some of that. Because you see, we're carrying a precious, precious commodity. We're carrying the presence of God. And people are hungry for that. They're thirsty for that. But their blindness sometimes is distracting. Their confusion sometimes takes them off track. But that is what they're looking for. And when they find it, just like the merchant who was collecting pearls, when he found the pearl of great price, what did he do? He sold everything that he had that he might gain hold of that because that's the value that it has. Look, as we're approaching this mission, which is now just going to be starting next Saturday, next Sunday evening is the first of the evening meetings. Loads of people have been trained. Have you been trained? Are you wanting to get out on the streets? Have you got your name registered on the app? Are you ready for this? Or has he just let it all pass by? Oh, I didn't know. I haven't been, I've been on holiday. Listen, it's been happening right back from June. We can help you. But we can't help you if you don't actually engage with it. This is going out on the streets. 150 people at least have been through the training across the churches. And that's just in central Bromley. Just the six churches that are part of our hub here. That's very, very encouraging. Not all of those people are going to go out. Some people have just come to see what the training was about. But many of them will. Are you going to be one of them? Have you got this opportunity that's going to be presented to us to engage? If you haven't engaged, if you're not sure what it's about, you can go to the connection point and leave your name and email address. Or certainly you can come and talk to me and we can give you more information. But come on, folks. Let's rise up and let's make sure that in our lives, we are connecting to others. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.